With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Everybody and welcome into the Monday Morning Quarterback Podcast. I am Matt Verderam alongside Gilberto Manzano, as always, here in the midweek edition of the show. We got a lot to get to because last week might have given us the best slate of games we're going to have all week long. We had four games that everybody thought were going to be great, and as it turned out, three of them were pretty good, one of which was a blowout. We'll get to all of them here in a minute. Then, of course, uh, we have our Week 10 lines, the five games that we're going to focus on from our SI Sportsbook uh, odds. And then, and then from there, we also have the midseason awards that we have to get to uh, as we are halfway home in the 2023 NFL season. Before we get to all that, let's, uh, let's welcome uh, the other the other band of the tandem in. Uh, Gil, what's going on, man? How you been? Yeah, I'm doing well, uh, Matt. As you know, I like to brag about my wins and complain about my losses. And last week was a good week. I went 12 and two with the picks, but I am pretty disappointed that I, I betted against Joshua Dobbs. What a game, right? Unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm I'm annoyed. You went 12 and two. I went 11 and three. And I feel like 11 and three should have given me some bragging rights for the week, <laughs> and yet it it did not happen. So I will say, on the whole, our group, uh, yourself, myself, uh, Connor, or Albert Breer. Mitch and uh, John, our editors, and, and Claire, uh, another editor of ours as well, does great work. I feel like everybody's like picks have been really pretty good this year. Um, you know, I mean, there are some years you look at picks and go, oh, my God, I'm barely above 500. I mean, right now, uh, I've got the, I get the sheet pulled up in front of me. So the, the best record is Albert, who's 95-41, and 41, went 11-3 and three last week. And then after that, Claire Kwan is right behind him with 92 wins. Uh, and then in gold, it says 87 wins. And then it's myself, yourself, uh, John, and then Connor Orr at 75 and 65, uh, pulling up the rear. So Connor's got to step up. Connor is bringing down the credibility of this entire group. Um, well, that's, that's not bad for last place, though. 10 games it's over not 500. Bad. That, you know, well, his thing is that we all do our like upset picks, and he's done 50 upset picks. <laughs> I think I've done like 16. <laughs> so that's part of the reason. Um, but yeah, no, the picks are good. And of course, people uh, that, that want to can read those over at SI.com. We put them out every week. Uh, the editors are nice enough to put that together. All right. So, last week, like I said, like we had, we had some great games. We had Chiefs-Dolphins over in Germany. And then we had Ravens-Seahawks, which we thought would be a great game. Turned out to be a massacre. Late window, Cowboys-Eagles, which was one of the wildest games I can remember seeing in quite some time. 
And then, of course, we had Bills Bengals at the end, uh, the Sunday night game there. And so, like I said, we'll get to all this. Let's let's just start with how the day actually started over in Frankfurt. Chiefs build up a twenty-one nothing lead on Miami. Miami, excuse me, Miami comes back, makes it twenty-one to fourteen. They had a couple drives at the end where they could have tied the game, even taken the lead if they went for two. They got into Kansas City territory both times, but both times ended up going backwards. Um, lose the game. They dropped to six and three. Chiefs, of course, improved to seven and two. Both teams go on their bye weeks. So, look, I'll let you set the set the stage here, Gilberto. I mean, what is it to you? Is it more about the Dolphins that game, or is it more about the Chiefs? It is more about the Dolphins because they can't beat a team with a winning record. And don't tell me the Chargers are 500 and the, the Dolphins beat them. They barely got to 500. So I am concerned about the Dolphins. But, you know, I don't want to let the Chiefs off the hook, Matt. And, you know, I know you've been writing about this, but, like, the Dolphins have been, you know, pretty average. You know, it got to a point where, like, now Mahomes is saying, like, yeah, we stink. We're pretty bad. Go go talk about the defense. That defense is carrying us the entire season. And, you know, what's yep. kind of funny, Matt, like, this season it feels like, the team with the best defense might win the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs still have the best defense right now, it feels like. So it's kind of like a like weird irony, but you expect better from Mahomes and Kelsey, but the wide receivers just they can't create separation. And I mean it wasn't for that awesome, you know, you know, fumble, reverse play, whatever it was from yeah, Cook yeah. there, you know, they would have probably lost a game there. But, you know, what's going on with the Dolphins offense? You know, averaging 17 points against the Bills, Eagles, and the Chiefs. So I go with I go with the Dolphins there because I, I feel like the I mean the, the the Chiefs could figure it out like it's halfway point in the season they're just cruising by and I think something will finally you know break out there but I'll let you you know maybe talk about the Chiefs a little more but the Dolphins man like you're supposed to be this the the, the most explosive offense you know high scoring and like you can't even get a first a first down and it's like is it do they have too many home run hitters too many touchdown makers like how about some chain movers how about some first down people how about some quick outs and and just get four or five yards, and just, everything just feels like a home run, and they, and they don't adjust, and they don't they don't kind of make end game adjustments because credit to the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill said it too, like they 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 covered the great coverage on Tyreek Hill, so it's kind of one of those games where like why not get a tight end that can help you out here? Why not get some guys that can make it easier? Or how about you know go to Raheem Mostert a little more? He has like, he had like twelve carries and he's averaging seven point seven point one yards per carry. So I don't know what's going on with Mike McDaniel and two and two was pretty bad. In that second half there, yeah, he had the touchdown to Cedric Wilson, but make some adjustments, Mike McDaniel, and stop going for the home run ball, Tua. Yeah, look, I first of all, I agree with you. I think, I think the Dolphins are the bigger storyline coming out of the game. Like, they've now played three really good teams, and they've lost all three of them. And they came back against Kansas City, but they were getting killed in that game, too. They were at 21-0 midway through the third quarter. And, it, frankly, if Chris Jones doesn't take one of the dumbest personal fouls you've ever seen – it's probably twenty-one-seven, and and we're not even we're, we're having a different discussion. Um, I think your point, though, man, is good with the Dolphins in the sense of like, there's so much speed, and that's awesome. But when that rhythm gets thrown off, and their timing's thrown off, they're just dead in the water. They have no answer for it, and it, and we've seen that now multiple times this year and last year. Kansas City basically said, "We're going to get up on the line of scrimmage. We're going to get our hands on Tyreek Hill. We're going to reroute him." We're gonna we're gonna cause problems. And look, who knows them better than the Chiefs, right? I mean, they know what what can cause some issues, and they actually went back and watched practice tape of a couple of years ago to try to figure out how to stop them. They went back and watched how they worked against him in team drills and practice, and tried to figure out some things, and it obviously worked. But from the Chiefs' angle of this, 
Listen, the offense is a disaster. Okay, they had 46 yards in the second half of the game in a turnover. Um, but they're seven and two in the number one seed in the AFC because the defense is incredible, and they're just shutting people down left and right. I mean, if you go and look this year at teams that have played the Chiefs, nobody's thrown for 300 yards. Cousins, Kirk Cousins, came the closest. He was uh, up in the higher 200s because he threw up a million passes. But if you look at Goff's numbers. 253 yards, one touchdown, which was a good game. That was without Chris Jones that week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, they didn't score a touchdown. He threw 41 times for 216 yards. Justin Fields threw for 99 yards. Zach Wilson, of all people, had one of the best days against him. 245 and two touchdowns. That wild game. And then you had Cousins, who went for 284 and two, uh, and two touchdowns on, on, a, on a 47 attempts. Russell Wilson threw for 95 yards one game. And in the other game, the game they won, he threw for 114. Like these, these teams, two didn't throw for 200 yards. Nobody's throwing for yardage against them. They're second in the league in sacks, the first in pressure rate. They've got two elite corners in McDuffie and Snead. And so, look, the question with Kansas City is obvious. Can this offense get going? Because if the offense gets going, they're probably the best team in the NFL. I mean, if they, if they get even borderline top 10 production out of that offense, forget it. Um, they have the week. Now to scout, I was texting with some people around the team, and I think there's a general thought of like, look, it's a bunch of little things that are throwing off the whole thing. Question is, how many of those little things can you fix in the next couple of months? The good news is you have Mahomes, you have Kelsey, you got a good offensive line, you got Andy Reid. The bad news is you have you and me at receiver. So, <laughs> that, I mean, that that's the question. My guess, they'll fix it to an extent. I don't think it's going to be a unit that, that you look at and go, oh my God, they're incredible. I think it's probably going to be a top 10 unit you know, right around there at the end of the year. Um, they're in the mix. But, yeah, I agree, man. The Dolphins are definitely the thing that you look at right now, the team you look at right now and go, all right, you're going to make the playoffs, but what are you going to do when you get there? Are you going to beat somebody good, or is it going to be a one and done? Well, Matt, let me ask you a quick question because you watch this team, this team closely, and I think I watch them good enough because they, they're always on prime time. But, like, all these, you know, analytics people are saying, look at the EPA, look at the DVOA. They're top five in offense in all these categories. And I'm like, I get it. You keep showing me the numbers, but I keep watching the games. And, like, the wide receivers are not that great. They're not scoring points. They had nine points against Denver. So, right. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe when you said disaster, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, because I was trying to play it safe. I'm saying maybe they're average because there's something here that well, I'm missing with the DVOA and the EPA. They're, they're a disaster by their standards. I mean, by anyone else's standards, yeah, they're probably still an above average offense. But by their standards, they're a train wreck. I mean, I will say this. People forget it because they won the Super Bowl last year. They were somewhat of a train wreck offensively the first half of last year, too. I mean, they had a bunch of games last year. They lost to the Colts last year. Okay, they 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 muddled through a Chargers game that they ended up winning because of a pick six that went 99 yards the other way. They, they struggled offensively against the Bills. They ended up beating the Raiders on a Monday night last year, but they were down 17-0 and needed to come back in that game. Like They, they were not good offensively for stretches of last season and then they just they're them and in January they, they cranked it up and that was it and even on one ankle Mahomes did enough to win but you know this has been the year before that they were three and four at, at the beginning of the year they couldn't score a point in that season I mean that was the year Mahomes played again by his standards not by anybody else's but by his standards he played poorly you go to 2021 and they lost in the AFC title game they were three and four and then people say oh well then they came out of it 
they did in terms of that they won games. Their point totals after that three and four start, they won 20 to 17, 13 to seven. Then they blew the Raiders out, scored 41, 19 to nine, 22 to nine. I mean, they, the last couple of years, they've had stretches like this. But by their standards, they're a disaster offensively right now. By the NFL standards, they're probably like somewhere between 10 and 12th in the league offensively. So, yeah, take it for what it's worth. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the next game here. The Bengals and the Bills. We'll go right to Sunday Night Football. Speaking of a team that by their standards is an offensive disaster, despite what EPA will tell you. (laughs) Um, I'm not here to bag on the analytics, guys. I will tell you this. I'm a big eye test guy. You watch the Bills. My eye test, I don't care that they're fourth or whatever in EPA offensively. They they have not been good over the last month and change. Okay, I don't think there's any way to say that otherwise. They go to Cincinnati. They made it a little bit closer at the end, but they they were down 24 to 10 with a few minutes left. They score a touchdown. They get the two, but they, they can't get the ball back. The Bengals now, five and three, winners of four straight, playing like we expected them to play at the beginning of the year. The Bills are five and four. It has been a struggle for them. They started the year three and one. Since then, they're two and three, going the other direction. They have a very hard schedule. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, what was your main takeaway from that Bengals Bills game? Just a difference in quarterback play between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. I had to cover that game, so I, I wrote about it. And you know, I kept seeing Joe Burrow moving around the pocket and, and extending plays. And, and then I look at the at the at the, at the box score. I'm like, wait, he has. Four rushing yards. I thought he ran for a bunch of yards. I know he had that one where he had the the first down kind of signal, but right. It's just when pressure comes, he knows how to move, and it's so like it's smooth, and it's not like he has to speed it up. He's just like, okay, cool, you're right there, but I'm still gonna do what I have to do and just extend plays. And Matt, when it's Drew Sample and Tanner Hudson and Irv yeah. Jr., like yeah. Trenton Irwin, like these guys are making plays, and then you look at Josh Allen. When the pressure comes, it looks difficult. It's chaotic. He has to kind of like. You know, see what's out there, and then okay, force a throw or miss a throw, and 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 I get the the, the Bengals defense is better than the Bills defense, so Burrow had maybe an easier time, but there was pressure. He was fighting pressure, and I get it. The secondary is not as good there, but it just seems harder for for Josh Allen. And the one thing, and, and, and another example is like the Bills and the Bengals couldn't run the football. You know, they're both one dimension, one dimensional, but Joe Burrow could make it work, and Josh Allen couldn't. And when you're one dimensional. You keep multiple guys on Stephon Diggs, and when Diggs is not there, who's going to step up? So I get it. Kincaid has made some plays. Achilles has made some plays. Gabe Davis made some plays. But it just feels like if James Cook doesn't get going, that's a recipe for turnovers, and, and things kind of get a little difficult. So, you know, I get people are saying make a move on Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, but how about tell the GM, get another running back, get something going, because they need a rushing attack, which they did in the first month of the season, and Whatever happened with James Cook, I don't, I don't know. He's too inconsistent right now. So it's just difficult, and they have a bunch of injuries. So, you know, one of the team is definitely surging, and they're on the rise. And I'm a little worried about the Jamar Chase injury, but T. Higgins made, made plays, and T. Higgins has been very quiet most of the year. So the Bills, just, that, that's kind of the thing. The Bills, it just everything looks harder on the Bills' side. The Bills did not look like a contender in that game. Like, just straight up. they And they haven't looked like one really since they beat Miami. Now, part of that is they have an unfortunate slew of injuries on defense, and that's the way it goes. Von Miller has come back. Von Miller has done nothing since he's come back. And you could talk about ramping him up, and that's fine. Maybe that's the case. He's done nothing since he's come back. Um, look, for the Bengals real quick, I mean, you laid it out well. Burrow in his last four games, 10 touchdowns, one pick. Okay, and he's been lights out the last couple of weeks against the Niners and the Bills. The Bengals needed to win those games. They had to get right. They've gotten right. 
Um, I feel like the Bengals right now, frankly, I, with due respect to the Ravens, I think the Bengals are probably the biggest threat to Kansas City in the AFC again. It feels like those two teams, again, probably at the top of the heap. And if you want to say Baltimore, that's fine. That's completely fine. Baltimore deserves to be in that conversation. Um, look, right now, the Bills need this offense to step up and score. That defense is just at its capacity. They they are without Daquan Jones, Dravius White, Matt Milano. Kyer Elam has been a healthy scratch most of the year. I mean, he, he's given them absolutely nothing. You're to a point where, like, your defense is doing all it can. I think, to their credit, they only gave up 24 points. I mean, it, against Cincinnati, it's not bad. Now, Burrow had a good game, but they did what they had to do to keep themselves alive despite the Bills turning the ball over twice. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And if you look at the Bills right now, your point about them being one-dimensional, and you're right. I mean, Diggs is fantastic. Again, 834 yards, seven touchdowns has been great. Gabe Davis, has anyone seen Gabe Davis? Is 434 yards. His last four games, it's not great. In Cincinnati, two targets, no catches. Against New England, five targets, one catch, six yards. Against the Giants, four targets, three catches, 21 yards. The only good game he's had was against Tampa. He went for 9-87 and with a touchdown. That is it. In a month of football, your number two receivers had one game he's had more than 21 yards receiving. I mean, that that can't stand when, when your defense is beat up and it needs help. And I mentioned, look, Von Miller. Von Miller's been back now for five games. He has one tackle. I mean, that that's where we're at with this. He's a 34-year-old guy who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Von Miller's coming off of a serious knee injury at an advanced age. There's just there's nothing. I mean, he had one tackle against Jacksonville. He has not recorded a, another statistic in a month. So, look, Buffalo's schedule going forward, they got, they're got they at Philly. They're at Kansas City. They're at Miami. They're at the Chargers. They host Dallas. It's probably going to take 10 wins to make the playoffs in the AFC. Buffalo's going to have to figure out a way to win at least a couple of those games. And I think right now it's a real question whether they can do it. Yeah, and and I think it's it's fair to say where they even make the playoffs. And you know, I know I know those wild card spots like you know, the Ravens and the Bengals. They're going to both. I feel like they're going to get in. They're making. Can you can you can you trust you know Kenny Pickett and, and Deshaun Watson to lead the Browns and the Steelers to the playoffs? Maybe one out of two. So there's maybe an opening right there. Maybe neither. So they do have a chance. But when you lay it out lay it out like that, Matt, that's a tough schedule. Like, can you really get? You know, another four or five wins there. I don't see it with this team right now. I agree. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can. If you said to me, do you bet on them making the playoffs? I'd say I bet, I think they will more than they won't. But right. But even if they do, like they're cannon fodder for Baltimore or Cincinnati or Kansas City. Those teams are better uh, as we sit here. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. 
I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. All right. Real we'll go quick here because we got more to get into. Just kind of a fun question, a snapshot midway through the year. Right now, Ravens, Bengals, Chiefs, who's your favorite in the AFC? I'm going to have to go with the Bengals. And what, what they, like a month ago, I said, look at their schedule. Like what we were doing with the Bills. Like they're going to beat the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Bills. And like, I don't see it. And they yeah. won three straight. And throw in the Cardinals if you want. They won four in a row. So, you know, it's kind of like the year, like last year, you know, they, they started out pretty slow and they won a bunch of games. And Joe Burr is healthy. He looks great. And I know we're going to talk about MVPs, but, and you laid it out 10, 10, 10 out of one. So 10 touchdowns, one interception. So he's, he's playing awesome. That great defense you you've been praising Lou, the defensive coordinator, you know all year, uh, probably for years too. I wouldn't doubt it. So you know that that's a good defense there. They're doing everything right there, and we've seen it before with the, with the Bengals. They they know how to go far. And, but I'll say this with about the Ravens, Matt, because part of me kind of feels like, well, I've seen this movie. Like they they go to the playoffs and they have they're one and they're one and done. But maybe it could be the year where it's a year of the defense and nobody's really scoring, and you have a good ground game. It's kind of being set up the type of season for the Ravens, but I just feel like I can't trust them yet. But this type of year, it feels like a Ravens year, but I'll go with what I've seen before with the Bengals. Yeah, you know, and the Ravens, man, you put it perfectly. It's exactly how I feel. I feel like I've seen the movie. Now, that said, I, I have all the respect in the world for Lamar and, and Harbaugh, and, and that defense is playing lights out right now. I mean, right there with Kansas City and Cleveland, they're the best. I mean, those three teams right now are the best defenses in the league. My concern about Baltimore, Gill, is the same concern every year with them. When they get to the playoffs, if they fall behind, what happens? What happens in the game? Because, look, to me, and that's not a Lamar question. That's more of like, who are you throwing to question? I mean, I like Zay Flowers a lot. Man, Beckham hasn't done a lot. Bateman hasn't done a lot. If you're playing a good defense, they're going to bracket Mark Andrews, and it becomes hard, man. It becomes really hard. That's my question. To answer it, though, I will I will say that I think the Bengals right now are playing fantastic football. I said I think they're the biggest threat to the Chiefs. I will take Kansas City for two reasons. One, they are who they are. They're, they're like New England was all those years where you'd look at them, and a lot of years in New England, at this time of the season, you'd be saying, I don't know, you know, they look kind of vulnerable. And then you'd get to January and go, oh, my God, somebody's got to go in there and beat that team. Like that's That's how I feel. I know, again, with apologies to Ravens fans, I feel like we're headed for the trilogy in the AFC title game. Where it's just back at Arrowhead again, and it's those teams, and it's going to come down to two minutes left in the game, and who makes a play? Is it Burrow? Is it Mahomes? Is it somebody on the defense? But the AFC, man, uh, we all we all kind of talked about it. You and I have talked about it. We thought it would be great when the season started. Then we're like, hey, maybe it's not as good as we thought. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, no, nah, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be a pretty big gauntlet. So, um Interesting to see how that shakes. All right, let's go to the NFC here for our bigger story section. The Eagles win a game that is stranger than fiction, right? I mean, they're winning 28-23. to, to 23. Actually, let's start. They're winning 20-17. 
The Cowboys throw what looks to be a touchdown pass. Shoemakers roll down at the one-inch one line, really. They don't get in. Then they score a touchdown. They go for two to make it a three-point game. Dak looks like he got in. No, he stepped out of bounds. They get the ball back after the Eagles almost fumbled the ball away deep in their own territory. They punt. Dallas has like 80-some-odd yards to go in under a minute, and with the help of two penalties, they get all the way down to the six. First and goal, and then Dallas does what Dallas does, right? So you're sitting there going, holy hell, like this might actually work out. Here come the Cowboys. What a win. This would change the narrative. It would make it a half-game lead in the division. And then the Cowboys, with due respect, said, hold my beer. We're the Cowboys. And so if you didn't see the game, this is how it ended. They get all the way down to the six and then go full start, 11-yard sack, incomplete, another penalty for delay game. And then on third and six from the 27, they throw a pass for 23 yards and CeeDee Lamb gets tackled inside the five-yard line. What is the bigger story for you? Is it that the Eagles are the Eagles and they're rolling and they're figuring it out, even though they're not maybe playing at full capacity, much like Kansas City? Or is it Dallas is Dallas and they're good, but you can't really trust them? Yeah, it's the Cowboys and and you laid it out perfectly there. It's it's like, all right, you could change the storyline, the narrative here. You're right there at the six-yard line. Plenty of time. Just get in the end zone and steal one. It's finally going your way for a change. You're on the road against the dominant Eagles in, in a hostile environment and you just go backwards. And it's like, People are trying to blame Mike McCarthy too. I'm like, he actually was, you know, fine. I guess it's, he, he's a coach there. People should execute, but like, just boneheaded plays after boneheaded plays, and it's like, like there were so many opportunities, Matt. And, it, and I'm, I know I'm going after the, the numbers people for this episode here, but I, I gave the Eagles a lot of credit, and people are saying, well, Ceedee Lamb went off, Dak Prescott went off. I'm like, you're just staring at the box score here and the stats, but they had so many opportunities to get to the end zone and steal that game, and they didn't just start on that final drive, like. Yeah, I know there was some bad breaks there with, with, with uh, Luke uh, Schoonmaker not making it in. Maybe some interference there. I know there's like a, an illegal formation. People want to complain about right. flags and all that. But there was numerous opportunities to go and steal that victory. I, I know Dak Prescott could have got that two-point conversion. He stepped out of bounds. And that changed the whole kind of game because it went from a four-point game. It could have been a three-point game. So uh, th- the point is, it's just a bunch of opportunities for the Cowboys to go and take it. And they fell behind pretty early, too. So... Let's not forget that. They had a rally for a reason. They weren't playing well. Like, Jalen Hurts was doing his thing in the first half. And then the Eagles, the defense has been pretty shaky. But yep. when you got, jo- you know, Josh Sweat making plays, Hassan Reddick making plays, even Brandon Graham turning back the clock making yeah. plays, Jalen Carter. So that's the difference. These guys step up in the moments. They don't care about stats and making it look pretty. They're going to win the game. And you can't trust the Cowboys. Like, yeah, they beat the two kind of mediocre LA teams that charged in the Rams. Cool. They look, they look great doing that. But... Go play with the big boys and stop being a division around team every single year. And that's what they are again. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I'm sitting there watching that game. And it's first and goal at the six. And if that's, if that's the other way around, if it's Philly, I would have already started writing up the new part <laughs> of my column, right? Like, I would have been like... So-and-so, like, I would have just put, like, blank name scored with blank time remaining. I would have just started, like, filing this thing. I'm sitting there watching it. I was like, it's the Cowboys. Like, they're not going to score. Something's just going to happen. The only thing I'll get on McCarthy, because I agree with you, McCarthy was not the problem in that game. The only thing was on the first and goal at the sixth play, where they they fall started, but they kind of started to run the play, they called the quarterback draw. And I'm like... 
You've thrown for like 400 yards in this game. My God, what are you doing? Like, if you have Lamar Jackson, fine. Okay, fine. Dak Prescott is not immobile, but he's not exactly Lamar or like Justin Fields here. Throw the ball, Mike. You've got CeeDee Lamb who's going for almost two bills against him. Like, throw it. My God, how dumb could you possibly be in that spot? That being said, it is not on Mike McCarthy that they took an offside, or they took a false start penalty, rather. It's not a Mike McCarthy that Dak takes a sack. It's not a Mike McCarthy that they have a delay of game because they're completely unaware of the play clock ticking down. Like, I know people say, oh, you know, Dallas, it's cursed. This is, this is the difference between championship teams and teams that are just good. Philadelphia would never have done that. Like, maybe they don't get in. Maybe Dallas makes a great stand. There's no way they're throwing 20, or uh, not throwing, at the opponent's 27-yard line in that situation. Same thing with Cincinnati. Same thing with Kansas City. Like, th- there's no way the Niners, they're not backing them themselves up 21 yards in that spot. Like, but it's Dallas. This is the same team that gave us Ezekiel Elliott's play last year. This is the same team that ran for a bunch of yards and couldn't kill the clock fast enough in a playoff game. Like, it is what it is. To me, I will say very quickly, the Eagles, all the credit in the world, they, they are, to me, very much the NFC's version of the Chiefs, where... You look at them and you're like, I don't know, you know, there, there's issues. They're kind of going stops and starts. But then you look at them and you're like, yeah, they're eight and one. They're eight and one. And by the way, in two weeks they play Kansas City on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead. I'll I'll be at that game for us, and that that should be very interesting because I I am curious to see how much is shown in that game. Like maybe it's like, hey, you know what? We don't have to really win, and we don't really necessarily have to win either. And we might see you in February. So we're going to basically run the most vanilla-style offense possible. But that's a, another conversation for another day. All right. Midseason awards. Let's get into a little rapid fire here. We'll go MVP, Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year, and then Coach of the Year. So I'll let you lead off, man. Who's your MVP right now midway through the year? Yeah, we've been talking about it about him, Joe Burrow, and I know it's kind of he's kind of late to the party, but he's had a perfect last month, and you know no quarterback is consistent. So you know, yeah, his came his down kind of came in the beginning of the season, but a lot of quarterbacks are now kind of going spiral uh, at the wrong time. So give me Joe Burrow to be MVP right now. You know, it's interesting. Um, you certainly you can make that case. You can really make that case right now. Um, it seems like there's really no consensus. Like, there's nobody who's, like, really separated themselves. Um, as we sit here, and you look at a... I'm just pulling together a host of books. Um, J- Lamar, Jalen Hurts, and Mahomes are co-favorites, essentially. I mean, they, they really all are. And Mahomes, in a lot of books, has the slightly better numbers, which is crazy to me because Mahomes, by his standards, hasn't even played that well. Um, I pick Burrow for the year. So if he does it, then I, great. I look like a genius. Um, <laughs> I will say that right now, it, I'll give it to Hertz. But man, I mean, there's, I'm not. I don't think there's a strong opinion here, right? I mean, you could you could certainly go Burrow. You could say Tua if they could ever beat a team that's decent. You could go with any of these guys. I'll say it's Hertz only because of the touchdown numbers. Um, he he's scored repeatedly. I know a lot of that's a tush push and all that stuff, but. Um, he's got 15 touchdown passes. He, on the ground, has been very, very dangerous for me. He has seven more touchdowns. He's not paced for like 45 touchdowns. So I'll, I'll take Hurts, but it's an interesting case. All right. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I feel like we're probably both going the same place here. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, there's two options, I feel like, so maybe not. But uh, for me, I would go A.J. Brown, wide receiver of the Eagles. And you know, and I kind of wanted to consider rookie him for him. Sure. Offensive All right, sorry, what rookie are, okay. of the year. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we definitely got the same one. C.J. Stroud, yes, you are correct. Yes, on that we one. do. Uh, four, four seventy, five touchdowns, game winning drive, and he, you know, he's just been amazing. I know he had, he had that one letdown against, you know, ironically Carolina. against Bryce Carolina and Bryce Young there, but from the from the get go, maybe not the get go, but like I think the second, like the second or third game, you could tell he belongs. He's protecting the football. He is so damn accurate, and then now he's finding that different gear. Okay, let, let me be. Let me pick you apart. And just to see what he did in the final drive and hear the quote where he said, call the plays, I'll make the plays, and he goes out and does it, like, that was pretty cool. Okay, so, yeah, I, I want, there's nothing to add to it. I mean, I, I did my all-22 piece on Wednesday, and I broke down Stroud's tape, and it's, it's ridiculous. The throws are just unbelievable. Sometimes you watch a guy, and he throws for a bunch of yards, and you're like, yeah, all right, but, like, it's all this easy stuff, and it's yak, and all. Like, Stroud was making throws, and you're like, okay, this guy can play. This guy's good, man. Houston's got their guy. Kudos to the Texans. I'm happy for their fans. They've been bad for a few years now. They got their guy. Um, all right. Defense rookie of the year. I'll lead off. I got Devon Witherspoon. Um, I think Witherspoon has been fantastic. When you look at his numbers, uh, they're certainly good. But, you know, a lot of years you get the, the rookie of the year defensive side of it, who's just, he's a sack artist and, and you know, a guy's 10 sacks. Witherspoon's been great, man. 30 solo tackles. He's got a pick. He's got nine passes defense. He's got, yeah. And by the way, the pick was a pick six, ninety-seven yards. Um, he's just been great for Seattle on the back end. You know, he was the first corner taken. A lot of expectation. He's played great. Uh, so, so give me Devon Witherspoon as my guy, who's my defense rookie of the year. Yeah, that's a good one, and and I want to go with Devon Witherspoon. And but now that I think about it, he missed a game or two, right? Or no? I don't like early in the year. He might have missed one. So. You know why you're doing that? He I guess my one. point he is one okay. One okay. You know I wanted to I want to go Jalen Carter, but I was hesitant because he missed maybe a game or two, and like okay injuries. But since uh, we just put missed a game, I'll Carter's go with Jalen Carter, and he's been awesome, I and mean, he's been a game record. And, and there was kind of this idea that he had to wait his turn maybe as, as a rookie because that defensive front is so loaded. Oh, we got Jordan Davis. You know you'll wait your turn, you'll come around. I'm like no, you can't. You can't keep this guy off the field. He's amazing. Uh, disruptor, pushing the pocket, getting sacks. You know stopping the run, whatever you need. So. The injury's a little concerning there, but uh, for the most part, whenever he's in there, he's ch- he's changing, you know, what the quarterback wants to do. And when you have guys who just stand, like I know we talk about numbers and analytics, but when you just kind of pass the eye test and you're popping every every single every other play, that's Jalen Carter right there. Hard to argue with you. Hard to argue with you. Um, I, I think you know, he he's been great. He's been great. I think those two guys will battle it out. Um, coach of the year. Who do you like for coach of the year? Yeah, you know, I, I really like this head coach, and I don't think he gets enough love. Maybe he does. I don't not. I don't feel it. I don't feel like they do. Uh, but Nick Sirianni of the Eagles, you know, you know, I go back to when he gave Shane Steichen the the play calling duties, and I, I want to see coaches do that. Like, hey, I'm a, I'm a new coach. You know, I know I pride myself on being an offensive guru, but I got to figure out defense, special teams, and ever since that, he's like, this is awesome. Okay, Shane Steichen, go take it. Uh, Brian Johnson, go take it, and like. He's kind of like he's just the, the guy leading everything, and everything's on point. And I just like how he believes on his in his players. You know, the fourth down, the tush push, and I think there was like one game against the not against the, the Miami Dolphins. Like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm gonna call a timeout. I'm probably not running. He's like, f that. I'm gonna go call a tush push. What am I doing here? I got I got to believe in my guys here. So I love Sirianni. He's great, great at the podium, and he's come a long way since that. I guess kind of the the introductory press conference that people gave him a lot of crap for. No. Good call. I'll go Brendan Staley. No, I just want to see a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I was about like, to what? see. I want to see how fast you looked up at the camera. 
Um, you know, man, I thought about it because you could certainly say Sirianni. You could go John Harbaugh, you, right? Like any of these top tier teams. I'm going to go a little off the beaten path. I'm going to go back to Houston, D'Amico Ryans. Like that team won 10 games over its previous three years combined. And he's got them at four and four playing real ball. Like I really like the way they're coming on. Are they play in Cincinnati this week. We're going to get that game here in a minute. That's obviously a tough task. But man, Houston this year, plus 22 point differential. Three and one at home, defending the defending the home turf. After they play the Bengals, they got a three-game homestand against the Cardinals, the Jags, and the Broncos. They could win all those games. Like Jacksonville's certainly a good team. They pummeled Jacksonville earlier. And then they finished the year. Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. Like, could they make the playoffs? I mean, could they could they go six and three over the last nine? I don't know that I bet on it because they're young. And, you know, sometimes when you have a young team, you kind of go up and down, right? You have those peaks and valleys. But, man, I love the job Ryan's is doing there. I, th- I think he's done a great job with that team. You know, I remember going into the year, I, I really can honestly say I like Stroud a lot coming out of college. In my mock draft, I even had a one. But, like, I looked at them, and, man, who do they have there to throw the ball to? Well, Nico Collins is having a great year. Tank Dell loved him at the senior bowl. Wrote a lot about him. Like he's been, he's been great for them. Dalton Schultz been a nice quality pickup. So all of a sudden, you look at the Texans and you're like, okay, all right. Like I like what we got going on here. Defensively, you'd like to see a little bit more of a pass rush. That's been one thing that's really hurt him. Grenard is six. Nobody else is more than three, and the team's a whole seventeen, which is concerning. But man, I love what they're doing. Like I really like what they're doing. I think they're on the come up, and I, I think Ryan deserves a lot of love. And by the way, the other guy I'll throw out there is a dark horse. If the Vikings make the playoffs, Kevin O'Connell deserves some some shine. I mean, that team, Jefferson out a month. You're one in four. Cousins is out for the year. I don't care if it's nine eight, they get blown out in the wild card round. That team makes the playoffs. That's a hell of a job by Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, those are some good ones, especially with, you know, O'Connell. I know he gets a lot of crap for the game management stuff, but like to go four and without Jefferson, that says a lot. Come on. You gotta give him credit. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. All right. Let's get into week 10. 
We got the five games as we always do with the SI Sportsbook being where we're getting our odds from. All right. Now this week, I, I'm not going to lie to people out there. This is not last week's slate. Okay. There's some decent games, but there's probably not a game that you're circling going, this is game of the year. But let's get into it. So the Browns and the Ravens, let's lead off with that. AFC North matchup, Browns 5-3, and three, Ravens 7-2. and two. Ravens at home, they, they saw each other a while back, but it was a game where Dorian Robinson-Thompson started, or Dor- excuse me, Thompson-Robinson started, and uh, it did not go well for the Browns. It got beat 28-3. Ravens laying 6.5 here. Watson, of course, will be starting this game. You like the Ravens or Browns, and do you think the Ravens, if they win, do you like them to cover? Yeah, I like the Ravens, and I like them to cover. I know they've been crushing the NFC teams, and you shouldn't kind of you know, expect the same for a divisional rival, but like, is Deshaun Watson much better than the rookie uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson? He's better, but he, is he that much great where like, it's not going to it's gonna be you know, from 28-3 to, I don't know, 28-24? I don't see it. So it could be 28-14 or whatever it is. The Ravens are just crushing people, and, and I know the Browns have a good defense, and that first game, I probably should throw it out. I keep talking about it because it wasn't right. Deshaun Watson, but like he didn't really make a like. I don't, he's just not making a difference. He hasn't been a good quarterback the last two years with Cleveland. So uh, Ravens could play defense. They they could score points with the running game, and, and we've been talking about the passing game has to step up. But you don't need to light it up against the Browns offense that can't really score points. So it's funny. The over under for this game was thirty seven and a half, which is ridiculously low because both defenses have been so good. I think I still would take the under in this game. I think the I think the score is going to be like twenty to seventeen. I like Baltimore to win. I like Cleveland to cover. I just feel like hmm. the and I got to be fair. If the Ravens fans out there listening, they're probably like, "This is the same dope with who picked the Seahawks to cover as his pick of the week." Yeah, well, that didn't work out. Um, it's not a shot at Baltimore. It really is just when you play divisional games, they tend to be very tight. You know each other. You know you're familiar with each other. I just think it's going to be one of those types of games. You know, I, I don't think it's a game you're ever going to feel like Baltimore's in danger of losing. But Cleveland's just kind of there, and they hang around, and maybe they get a turnover. You know, like a game like that. Just a just a low-scoring type of affair. So, uh, give me the under. Give me Baltimore to win and the Browns to cover. All right, second game. Uh, the Texans at the Bengals, obviously, just talked about it. Bengals laying six and a half. They are at home, winners of four straight. The Texans coming off of a crazy win over the Buccaneers, 39-37. Um, I'm assuming you like Cincy in the game to win it. Do you like him to cover the six and a half? I do like the Bengals to win, but I'll go with the Texans to cover the six and a half. They're, they're feisty. You know, they're competitive, and they got C.J. Stroud. When you got a quarterback that's just hot like that, like, you know, they're, you're going to have a chance in, in the game and keep it close. And, Maybe it could be one of those games where, like, maybe they're down, like, you know, double digits for the longest, and they make a late rally, and they fall short by, like, whatever, six points, four points. So, I could definitely see that. Uh, it's it's a different level for the Texans. Like, like I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it close and down the wire, but they're going to hang for a bit and, and just kind of keep it a one-position game. I, I do see that. And you're right about the Texans' defense. You kind of expect a little more, but they're lacking a little talent on that side. Will Anderson Jr., you expect a little better, but he's been decent. He hasn't been terrible, but... It's the Bengals. They're just clicking right now. Give me the Bengals. Yeah. You know, I, I look, I like the Bengals as well in this game. Um, I I am very interested to see how Stroud plays because Adam Rumo is a great coordinator. And obviously, it's the first time I've ever seen him. I'm going to take the Bengals to slightly cover. I think they win by like seven. I, you know, I think it's a, I, I, if I was betting this game, I, I'd probably just take like the over or something instead of the line, but or just go money line. 
Um, well, it's not obviously great value there. I I like the Bengals to win. I think it's going to be a game where it's like 30 to 23, you know, something like that. Uh, I think Stroud will do some stuff in the game. Because one thing with Cincinnati, you can move the ball on them. Cincinnati's just great at getting turnovers. That That is Cincinnati over the years with Adam Rumo. If you look at their defensive metrics, they're not that good. But, like, they're amazing at making big plays and big moments. That they are great at. Uh, I do think they win. I do think they cover. All right, let's go to what I think anyway is the game of the week. And both these teams will be coming off their buys. The 49ers are on the road about as long a flight as you'll have all the way to Jacksonville, Florida to take on the Jaguars. The Niners are laying three and a half on the road. The uh, the, the road favorites here is Brock Purdy and, and company looking to snap a three-game losing streak. Jacksonville sitting at six and two, Niners five and three. Who do you like in this uh, interconference matchup? And uh, do you think the Niners should be favored by three and a half? Oh, man. You know, I've been uh, doubting the Jaguars for, for most of the season. And I guess apparently Vegas does too, because that's that, that's tough. You know, they're both coming off bye weeks. And one team's on a three-game losing streak. The other one just won five games in a row. So I think the Jaguars should be the favorite team. So to answer your question there. and But that's good for me because I will take the, the, the Jaguars money line and, and get, you know, I mean, you don't need, I guess you'll take the points too, but uh, I see the Jaguars being the 49ers and just because of what I just said, you know, like they're at home, they get, they also got a bye week and, and they got, and they, they could definitely make adjustments and, and, and we saw what Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow did to his 49ers second there. Yeah, it's great. They got Chase Young and yeah, the pressure better get home because if if it doesn't, you could pick apart the secondary. So, but I don't feel confident. Like it just feels strange to say the 49ers are going to lose four straight, like they're just way too talented. Debo Samuel's probably going to come back. I don't know about Trent Williams yet. And you and they had to chase Young. So it could be a close game, but i I just been down the Jaguars for too long. And I know they need, they kind of need like a signature victory to kind of prove, hey, they're, they're, they're legit. I think they are legit. So uh, by my pick here. And maybe for, for a change, the Jaguars will make me look, you know, smart. So I'll go with the Jaguars. All right. I will take San Francisco for a few reasons. One is I think they're desperate as hell. They got to win. Plus three in a row, coming off the bye, should get Debo back, should get Trent Williams back. And as you mentioned, they added Chase Young. My question with Jacksonville in this game is very simple. Can you protect? Can you hold up in this game? Because that, that to me is, I agree with you 100%, Gil. If they can block, you can throw on the Niners. I mean, that that has been laid out there pretty, pretty bare at this point. I mean, you can definitely do that. My question is whether or not they're going to be able to protect up front now, this year, when you look at how, you know teams and giving up pressure, Jacksonville's been pretty good. Okay, and when you when you factor it in, um, as you know, I hate when I bring up Pro Football Reference because they run that stupid ad, killing me. Yeah, they've done it beforehand. But I believe Jacksonville's twelfth in pressure rate against. Okay, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now the question is, you know, you also got to factor in they played the Colts twice. You know, they played the Texans team that is, is better than we all thought. Doesn't get a ton of pressure. Like their schedule has been conducive to some degree. They did play the Chiefs and they played the Bills. Um, I think the Niners will find a way to win this game. I think defensively, the Niners are going to be able to push around Jackson a little bit up front. And I think offensively, with their with full complement of guys, that's just a lot for anybody to handle. So I do think they're going to get their points. I think it's a tight game, though. Like I might take Jacksonville to cover it. You know, maybe it's something like 27-24, somewhere in that range, I think is where I like. So... I think that hook, that three and a half, give me Jacksonville to cover. 
But I think San Francisco finds a way, even if it's late, I think they find a way to win the game. All right, you may even be going to this game. I'm not sure I haven't asked you. Uh, Lions at Chargers, uh, which is a good game also. Chargers 4-4, four and four, won a couple uh, coming off the short week. The Lions had a bye, so that the, the time uh, off is really helping Detroit here. Lions laying two and a half on the road at SoFi. Lions fans have traveled really well this year. Uh, I'll be curious to see if they go all the way out west. Do you like the Chargers to get over 500? Or do you think that the Lions get that win and keep keep momentum rolling here as they come in at six and two? First of all, this game is worth the drive, so I'll be making my way to SoFi. I, I have been enjoying myself kind of covering games from home, but I, this one I do want to see the Lions up close. Uh, and and I'll take the Lions because you know, yeah, the, the Chargers beat Zach Wilson and the Jets. That that's nice going and, and a, a tough defense on the road on prime time. That's cool, but again, it's, it's Zach Wilson. You know, if you just score, like I mentioned, you know you know, 14 to 17 points, you're probably going to be fine. And that's why Garrett Wilson is frustrated. Everybody on that Jets, uh, I know we're going to talk about Jets, but it's again, it's the Jets. So slow it down there for, for the Chargers fans and the Chargers. And and and, and can can you tackle? Can you keep tabs on Jamar Gibbs? And Dave Montgomery comes back. And, like, they got really aggressive, the Chargers. And, but when they do that against a good team, like, Amon Rossi Brown could take one to the house if you if you're not if you're not right on the guesses here. So they have just too many weapons. And yeah, I get Jared Goff and they got Khalil Mack and and, and Tuli and Bosa. And you could put pressure on Goff. I, I get that, but like I just don't trust his defense. And I know it was one game against the Jets, but Jamar Gibbs finally broke out. Can you keep tabs on him? That's kind of my biggest thing. I am kind of worried about how they're gonna manage. If Montgomery plays, how do you manage the two running backs there? That could be kind of a maybe a problem for for uh, the OC there, Ben Johnson, but. Uh, the Lions are good, and 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 I don't I don't trust the Chargers to make it. I know they're at home, and the Lions are coming off a of bye week too, so they're probably fresh and ready to go. Yeah, I like the Lions in this game, and the reason being is I trust the coaching a hell of a lot more in Detroit. I also will say this with Detroit: you better play in the trenches because if you can't, you got a problem. Like Baltimore, to their credit, they bullied Detroit. Not many teams are going to do that. Can the Chargers bully them? I, I know they had eight sacks against the Jets. I get the Jets are a tire fire on offense. Like, th- this is not the Jets. My my fear for the Chargers in this game is they're just going to get beat up up front. And I don't know that they can cover the line. I mean, the Lions, they can throw the ball. Laporte has been great as a rookie. You mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. Jameson Williams. Like, they, they got guys. They can move the ball. In the air. They'll, you know, they got Gibbs. They can, they can swing it out to him. Like, I think it's a good game. But I like the Lions. I like them by like a touchdown. I think it's something like 30-23, to 31-24, somewhere in that range. Um, the Chargers, look, we're going to find out a lot about Chargers next three weeks. they got the Lions. Then they're at the Packers. They ought to win that game. Then they come home and they play the Ravens. You're going to find out a whole lot about the Chargers here in the next three weeks because the Lions and Ravens, those two teams, not only are they good, they are physical. They can play you up front. They can really stress your your trench play. And if they if the Chargers can't handle that, they're going to get boat raced in these games. I like Detroit. I do think the Chargers hang around in the game. I just think the Lions are a better team. All right, last one, Monday Night Football, Broncos at Bills. Now, if, if I said this to you a month ago, and I was like, hey, what do you think the line is for this game? You would have said, I don't know, 30? Like, the Bills are favored by 7.5. So, still like a meaningful line, but not a crazy line. I'm I'm thinking, and you obviously can chime in, please chime in if I'm wrong. I think we're probably going to say the Bills find a way to win this game. Do they cover the seven and a half? 
Yeah, you can't trust Buffalo to cover anything right now uh, on the defensive side, too, as well. But they played the Giants, and, and they couldn't cover. When, remember, they got like 17 they points. They needed a or, miracle or, at the end of the game. <laughs> they needed Teron Johnson to get away with the biggest hold in NFL history. So, yeah, I will take the Broncos to cover. I don't think they even covered with, against the Bucks, and, and then they no. lost to the Patriots. So, yeah, I can't trust the Bills to just go handle business. You know, But they're not at the point where they'll lose to a really bad – well, I guess they lost to the Patriots. I was going to say, let's, let's, not, <laughs> let's not roll that out either. And it, it, man, and the Broncos have been playing a little better defensively, but it, it, it's still the Broncos. So give me the Bills and, and, and don't handle business Monday Night Football. But I just have a feeling we're going to come out of the game and, like, What's wrong with them? And but their EPA is good, so yeah. whatever. Well, as long as the EPA is good, thank God. Um, yeah. that's it. That's all that matters. Is you know what? What is their completion percentage over expectation? What is that? <laughs> um, oh, it's good. Hey, well, no. then everything's great. Um, never understand that as long as I live. All right. I got to tell you, I really wanted to pick Denver to win this game straight up. I, I really wanted to, but then I thought to myself, like, you're paid to analyze the NFL, and. There's no real part of you that actually thinks Denver's going to win this game because I know they've won two in a row, and I've heard Broncos fans say that. Look, you needed a late, you know, last-minute field goal to beat Green Bay at home, and you need the Chiefs to turn the ball over five times to win that game. I, I, I just, it wasn't like Denver played well in those games. I will say this: the only thing that gives me pause in this game, Sertan can just cover digs, and if they can do that, like one thing with Denver, Denver can run the ball offensively. So then you start looking at this thing going, well, can they shorten the game? And all of a sudden you'll look up and you're like, oh my God, it's 17-13 with like five minutes to go. I don't think the Bills are going to lose, but I do think that Denver will cover. And I think it's going to be a game that's an actual game with 10 minutes to go where we're like, if they lose this game, everybody's fired. <laughs> like it's one of those like Ken Dorsey should have like a box ready, right? And like <laughs> everybody's just kind of looking down the box going, oh, is, is Ken, is Ken going to get through this? Like, I think, I think it's that kind of a game. Like, it's a pack-the-box game. If they lose to Denver on national television in their own building, yikes. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I'll go a step further. They lose this game. They're not making the playoffs. Period. Not with their schedule. So, I think they will win. I do not think that they will cover. So, I'm with you. I, we, we have the same, uh, same prediction here. All right. We always say what I think is the best for last, which is what's going on. And a lot of times I talk about pickleball because I'm, I'm apparently 35 going on 80. Uh, I'm not going to do that this week, although I'm going to complain about another thing that old people probably complain about. I hate daylight savings time. Mm. I hate it. It sucks. Should have gotten rid of it years ago. Um, I take my daughter, my oldest daughter, to school. And, like, so I, I leave the house typically, like, right at about 7 o'clock in the morning. The school's a mile from my house. So it was dark. And like just kind of dusk as we were dropping her off. And like that sucks in the sense you, you know, you wake up and it's still dark out. Okay, now you wake up and it's light out, and that's nice. Damn dark at 445 outside. I got no time for that, Gil. I got no time for that. I, I walked out of, I walked up out of my office, which is in my basement the other day. And it didn't dawn on me. It was like five o'clock at night. And I looked and I opened my door. When I opened my basement door, I looked right out my, our, our big kitchen window. It was pitch black. For a split second, I was like, oh my God, what time is it? Like, how long was I down there for? And I looked over and it was like 4.52. Daylight savings time can go straight to hell. Straight to hell. <laughs> it, I, I cannot stand it. I don't know where you feel or if you have an opinion on it, but I cannot stand it getting dark earlier than like 
six o'clock. I just cannot deal with that. And now I got to deal with this nonsense for the next few months. Well, like you said, you're, you're 35 going on 80. Maybe you move to Arizona where they don't change the clocks. I, I don't know if that's going to help baby. you out. But, or, yeah, but, and I'm with you though, man, because like for me, like around 5 or 5.30 or 6 my time, like I like, I like to go for long walks because like I've been staring at a computer the whole day and just kind of unwind. It's kind of like, now it's like, ah, crap, it's 4.45. I better hurry up with this walk. I got 15 minutes. It's going to be pitch black out here and I gotta go better find some walks where it's actually pretty lit up. So, uh, yeah, it really kind of just rushes you because like, Especially here out on the West Coast, kind of like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's a little too hot. So we'll just wait till like it gets cool, like around six or seven. Then when the when it's dark, it's kind of like, ah, what's well, it's too dark. We don't want to work out. So it's like, when do you work out? So it's a little frustrating. I'm I'm at my wit's end with it. I, I, I shouldn't say my wit's end. I got, I got time to be, you know, uh, angry about it. But man, yeah, it's killing me. It's killing me. I can't stand for this. This is garbage. So I. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of it being. Uh, I'm sick and tired of it being so damn late, early. You know, four forty-five is dark outside. The hell, I, no afternoon. My mid, my my mid to late afternoon is shot to hell. I'm not happy with it. All right, I'm sure people really are excited about that. Listen, if you want more takes on daylight savings time, uh, subscribe to the MMQB podcast. Make sure to check out both this episode every week with Gilberto and I, but also, of course, Connor and Albert. Just don't listen to Connor's picks. Man, man is uh, man is in last place. But Albert's in first place, so really listen to Albert's picks. Um, make sure to leave a rating and a review if you wouldn't mind. Five star, and if you leave a question, we'll answer it. Um, thank you so much for listening. We're at the midway point. Enjoy week 10, and we'll be back next week to break it all down, as always. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be talking to you again next week. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play with your amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last make every tap music to your ears